You're welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Narrative First Podcast, the weekly podcast where story is always king. I am your host, Jim Hull, the voice of Narrative First, and this is episode number 30, the most crucial element to telling a good story. Welcome back, everyone, to our final podcast for 2016. Uh, For those of you who are new to Narrative First or just discovered us sometime this year, uh, the schedule I like to keep is to write a brand new article Uh, once a week uh, from March, the first week in March through the last week in November. And what that does is that gives me about 40 articles for the year. I think that's right, 40. I started this off in 2010. So I started the site in 2006 or 2005, I believe. And it was just on the site. And then in 2010, I started to take it more seriously. And I started writing (laughs) after a 30-page back and forth with uh, some writers on the Done Deal forum, which I'll leave a link to in the show notes, I decided to just start writing articles about Dramatic and what I understood about the theory. And I just managed to do it one every week. I would write it uh, Tuesday at lunch, Wednesday I would do edits, and then Thursday I would publish it, and I kept that up for the whole year up until the end of November, and it just felt great. And then what I like to do is in December kind of do an anthology or best ofs uh, for the year, kind of wrap up, you know, stuff that I learned and kind of revisit some things. And then in January, what I do is I take all the articles from the year previous and make a book out of it. And I have sold uh, physical books, you know, like real books, if you remember those, uh, and also ebooks, although the ebooks seem to do better. So I will be doing, I guess it will be volume three or volume four. Uh, I used to do it by year, but I think the volumes just read nicer. So that'll probably be out uh, by the end of January, and then again in March, first week in March, we'll pick up again with all new articles about story structure. So that doesn't mean that there won't be new information on the site, because I will definitely still keep uh, quote-unquote blogging at narrativefirst.com slash blog, so there will still be little snippets of stuff that I pick up here and there, anything I learn that'll be interesting, just the concentrated, uh, focused articles that I've been doing uh, every week, those it, it's kind of like a season. So the season ends. This is the season ending. This is the season finale for Narrative First for 2016. Uh, I know it's very exciting. And then um, we'll pick it up again in March. I will continue to do podcasts, although I'll probably do best of podcasts and then um, you know probably five ten minutes of new material each week. But it'll just be stuff that I I learned. Uh, or experience during that week using Dramatica. And the first thing that I learned this week, which happened yesterday, which was probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life, is, or at least when it comes to writing and using Dramatica, is uh, my writing partner and I, or the people that I'm working with to write an animated feature, we sequenced an entire feature uh, in an hour. (laughs) So from the beginning to the end, we have all 32 beats actually I think it's 33 beats, figured out exactly, and he's going to take the first half, and I'm going to take the second half, and we'll have the treatment done by next week, which is an amazing feat. Um, That doesn't mean we just started today. Uh, Occasionally, once a week, 
probably a total of eight actual hours of work or eight to ten hours of work going back and forth over what the story was actually about. I had originally thought that what they wanted was a, a changed main character, a changed main character resolve, and ended up writing, you know, kind of a overall story treatment, two to three pages of what that story would look like, and nobody would buy into it. Everybody just... I mean, some people were into it because they understood what it was, but the key players just weren't having it. And then that's why I mentioned last week, you know, or maybe it was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. I mentioned that um, we had uh, kind of a breakthrough where I realized, oh, they're trying to tell a steadfast main character story, or we're trying to tell a steadfast main character story. And once I made that switch and was able to explain exactly what that means, you know, because everybody thinks that that means it's somebody else's story, we're able to just like fly through it and then just going through this yesterday you know I figured it was going to be a three or four hour meeting we did it in an hour I think it was an hour ten minutes total going through and just figured out exactly what's going to happen in each act all the way up until the end and I'm really excited to see how well that goes uh, and it's just it's a really interesting thing the best part about well, there's a good part and a bad part about working with Dramatica. So the good part is when you have um, the story form figured out, you can get it done really quickly. Uh, we had done this on a previous screenplay, screenplay that we wrote, and that one took all day. It took about 12 hours going back and forth, just trying to figure out. That was the first time we'd ever worked together. Uh, and so this time it just went so fast because, I mean, the story form basically... We knew the beginning and we knew the middle, actually, and in the end it was just kind of logistics of, you know, what character was supposed to be in what place. But, you know, the overall story, what the story we're trying to get across, the meaning of it, the story form, was really clear. The only down part to it, if you are somebody who's really into dramatic and you're working with people who aren't, but, you know, can appreciate it, you'll come to conclusions that people won't understand. Dramatica gives you the whole picture, like it tells you exactly what's supposed to happen in the second signpost, or, you know, second act, uh, what's supposed to happen at the end of the second act, you know, where exactly the character development is going to be for the main character towards the beginning of the third act. It gives you all this information, and so it's almost like you know you have a, a premonition of where the story is going to be, and you have an overall feeling of the beats in your head, especially the more you become familiar with the story form and how it works. You know, in your head, it makes perfect sense. But to somebody who's used to working uh, linearly through a story, you know, starting at the beginning, working at the end, they're not going to understand how you're able to jump right to the end without showing those beats in between. You know, so like as we were going through sequencing everything, um, when it came to about the midpoint, which is about 15 or 16, we had reached 11. And then I was like, all right, well, let's I know 16 is going to be this and 15 is going to be this. And the person on the other side was like well how how do you not how do you know that but well shouldn't it be here and it's like no I, I know it's supposed to happen here but we just have to figure out the parts that go in the middle and that's really strange for someone else to understand how you got to that conclusion when they don't understand exactly how dramatica works even if they appreciate you know that they know it works they don't understand that it just it gives you the entire story like the story form is time and space all put together it's not just telling you you know, what's supposed to happen when, and it tells you why things are supposed to happen where. And so once you get over that hurdle and you just kind of help people through and try not to, like, jump to the end as, as much as you can and work in a linear fashion, if that's the way that person prefers to work, then you'll be able to work your way through the entire story. And, I mean, it worked 
it worked out great for us. And uh, I'll let you know how that works for the rest of the development process as we go along with that. Also, we began watching Westworld this week, which is insanely great. <laughs> the only distracting part is that I keep hoping Alice Engine will come up on the balcony because they're using Melody Ranch here in Santa Clarita, where I live. So yeah, it looks it's the set of Deadwood, but it's it's robots, and I love it, and it's great. It if you're familiar with Dramatica, it, it deals heavily with my favorite concern in the uh, Dramatica table of story elements, which would be the past, memory, understanding, and conceptualizing. And you know, it's like have you ever doubted the nature of your reality or considered the nature of your reality? So there's a lot of elements of actuality and perception and order and chaos and aware and self-aware. And so far, just two episodes in, it's fantastic. And I almost feel like I could probably figure out a story form for the first episode. I was going to try and incorporate it into this, the article this week, but didn't get enough time to get around to it. Um, but when, plus I, I missed something in this story that I I have to go back in, something that was painfully obvious, but I didn't get at first that I have to go back in and, and watch um, because I was just so taken in by everything. So if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out uh, and see if you can come up with any kind of story form for it. And obviously, um, with the Ed Harris character, there's a larger narrative that's going to go on throughout the entire season, right? And then each episode will have... I mean, it doesn't have to have, but it can have uh, its own story form within. Also, this last weekend, I was lucky enough to check out Disney's Moana. You're welcome! If you remember way back in August, I had the head of story, David Pimentel, on to talk about what it was like to board out and work through the story of Moana. Uh, if you haven't heard that podcast, I'll leave a link to it in the show notes. Um, but it was my first, actually it's my first and only interview uh, for now. I'm going to set it up. That's part of the break process. I'm going to set up how to make it possible for people to be guests on the show for next year. And uh, I thought the animation in Moana is absolutely insanely beautiful. Uh, if you don't know, I was a character animator for Disney and DreamWorks for almost 20 years prior to starting uh, Narrative First. And it blows my mind, the, qu the quality of character animation in the film. I mean, it's better than some live-action actors, for sure. Especially Moana's grandmother is just absolutely... just astounding. The songs are really fun because it's the same guy who did Hamilton, so there's like rapping coolness in it. And uh, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords has an insane cameo that I absolutely loved. So the film is great. My only issue with it is uh, the antagonist. So the story form itself is very familiar. It's a story that you've seen a zillion times, and I'm not just saying that because it's a Disney fairy tale or whatever that, you know, well, this is the same story all the time. The actual story structure of it is very, very familiar. Um, if you know Dramatica, there are 32,678 different story forms in the present model, the knowledge-based model. And what that means is you'll have stories that have similar components, but where those actual components lie and uh, the kind of thematics that they explore will differ depending on what it is that you're trying to say with your story. 
So with Moana, it's actually the same exact story form as the Star Trek movie from 2009, the J.J. Abrams reboot. And I'm only familiar with it because that's the first one I ever did a screencast for. And uh, I always use it when I was teaching at CalArts. I would always use that as the first film that we would uh, start to analyze with Dramatica because it, it, it's a really easy one to figure out and makes sense and has really familiar uh, concepts in it. So when you look at Moana, I mean, if, yeah, if you replace Moana with Kirk and Maui with Spock, it's the same exact story. So, by the way, there's going to be a bunch of spoilers. So she's, you know, the steadfast main character, and he's the changed, influenced character. Uh, she's driven by a pose, you know, people telling her what to do. Her issue is delay because she's putting off becoming uh, not the princess, or she's not a princess, but becoming the leader of her people. And, you know, she focuses on avoidance, people trying to run away from their problems, and she's the one that wants to go after it. And, you know, the larger story problem is uncontrolled and the solution is control. So the uncontrolled nature is once Maui steals the heart, then that is the initial story driver and then all of a sudden it's uncontrolled. It's uncontrolled, but it's kind of unclear exactly what's happening. Uh, it seems as if there's ash extending out throughout the ocean. But what happens is they lose track of the antagonist in the second act. So there's there's only one little slight dream sequence where she's dreaming about her island being destroyed by this black rock or black ash or whatever it is that's coming after them. <laughs> Whoops. Um... <laughs> And so, uh, yes, it's a very, very familiar story. And uh, so but w without that uh, greater antagonist there in the middle, when it, she pops up at the end, it's like, oh, that's right. I remember what we're doing here. You know, they had the coconut pygmies and the coconut crab in the middle to kind of fill in that spot. But because it wasn't tied to the larger story, it they would just seem kind of episodic and kind of one-offs. And in fact, you don't even see the pygmy pirates again. It's really strange. Uh, so, yeah, and there is a way, actually, that you could have tied those two sequences into the thematic story form through with the narrative drive of the actual story to make those sequences seem less episodic, which I cover in this week's article. But, you know, they don't do it. They spend a tremendous amount of time on character development, the relationship story through line, which is great. That's fantastic. But it just kind of makes it feel like it kind of lulls in the middle because you're not sure exactly where the consequence isn't there. You know, the consequence is going to be changing one's nature or becoming, which is the earth becoming, you know, destroyed by all this black lava or whatever it is, ash. And um, without that constant reminder of it, you know, theoretically you should have the consequence in each signpost or each, you know, in Dramatica there's four signposts, so you should have that consequence keep coming up as a reminder of what'll happen if she doesn't reach the goal. But because that doesn't happen, eh, you kind of lose track of what the story is. And um, so it just feels very familiar. So while Star Trek had the same exact story form, at least you had Nemo there and there was a constant reminder. I mean, he destroys Vulcan in front of everybody. I mean, it, it's there so that that consequence is still in your mind and you understand what the main character and influence character are working towards. So it's a absolutely beautiful film. I'm actually going to go see it again this weekend. I would highly suggest seeing it. Just don't expect to be surprised by how it turns out. You pretty much know exactly how everything's going to turn out. And the only other thing that really bothered me, but that's just because I'm a story structure nerd, the Save the Cat sequence at the beginning is so 
painfully, obviously just it's patronizing the way that it's in there. It's almost like forcing the audience to appreciate her because, you know, she's doesn't do what people want to do, so of course they're worried about likability, so then they have this, this Save the Cat sequence, which, if you're familiar with Blake Snyder, is a way to force people to like your main character by having your main character save a cat in the beginning to take time out from what they want to do in order to save somebody else, and that makes the audience like them. It's great. It's just kind of patronizing to the audience, and I feel like audiences are sophisticated enough they don't need to be spoon-fed likability. So definitely check out Moana and of course you can check out our analysis of it in there where I show all the different places where you know basically Moana is Kirk and Maui is Spock. So that's it for our Moana review and now I'd like to move on to the last article of the year. Okay this week's article was really fun to write uh, partly because it's the last one I had to write for three months. Uh, no it was it was really fun to write because it's about something that first one stands for a main character crucial element and the second one the influence character crucial element and the idea is that you should drag and drop your player for the main character and influence character onto their corresponding spots and use those as uh, you know kind of like indicators of the most important part of your story now there have been lots of back and forth there's a little uh, short little bit in the theory book that goes over the crucial element uh, but it's written sort of mysteriously uh, when it comes to the change main character, a main character with a changed uh, resolve, it makes more sense how that plays into story because you're working with the problem and solution and the way it works is it, it combines uh, the main character resolve with the story outcome so that if the if it's a change success story, the main character's crucial element will be the overall story problem and if it's a failure story, it'll be the overall story solution. So the idea being that when the main character changes, you know, they move from the problem to the solution, in a success story, them clearing that problem out of the way makes the solution possible. And in a failure story, they had the solution, but they get rid of it, and so that means that it's still going to be, the problem is still going to be there, and then it's a failure. So that makes sense. The change character crucial element always makes sense. And with the steadfast character, it's a little strange because it doesn't have to do with the story outcome. It has to deal with the main character growth. So it's a combination of, you know, whether or not it's steadfast start or steadfast stop, that's going to determine where the main character's crucial element is. So if it's a, a stop story, the main character crucial element will be the uh, symptom, the overall story symptom. And if it's a start story, It'll be, you know, the main character crucial element will be the response. And that's when it gets kind of complicated. And then it's always kind of strange as to how a steadfast character actually helps resolve an overall story if they're not even paying attention to the problem and solution. And so what most people do and what I did for the first 15 years is just throw my hands up in the air and refer to Chris Huntley, who's one of the co-creators of Dramatica, and just say, well, if Chris says it's not that big a deal, then it's not that big a deal, and I'll, I'll just leave it alone. Uh, the only problem is, you know, working the past couple of years with clients, and then, you know, with my own work, especially with this 
project that I was just talking about, the one that we sequenced uh, yesterday, is that I think it's really, really important now. It's like one of the most important parts of the entire story form. And if you think about it, you know, the way that it's different where the change uh, main character, it's the problem and solution, and the steadfast main character, it's the symptom and response, it's really telling you where that point is between the objective and subjective points of view of your story. You know, it's it's showing you like, okay, this is exactly where that objective and that subjective view collide, where they, they, they overlap, where they come together. And it's that part that uh, you can't get in, in real life. Like, you can't see that. You can't simultaneously be objective and subjective when it comes to your own experience. Like, you can't be outside of yourself. I mean, you can look at other people, but then you can't be inside them. And so that's why... That's why people are so drawn to stories and to narrative because they get, you know, they get to see a problem both from within and without. And that's the most important part of story. And then therefore, the most important part of a story form will be that point where those two views come together. And the way it works is, you know, when you look at the, the through lines, the through lines are just different uh, points of view or perspectives on the central inequity of the story. And you, you can't describe the inequity, but you can look at it from different points of view. And those different points of view, some parts of it are going to look the same and some aren't. And when it comes to a change main character, the change main character will share the same problem and solution elements as the overall story. That's where that overlap is. It's going to look the same to a change character. To a steadfast main character, they're going to share the same symptom and response as the overall story. And that's where that's going to look similar. So what's happening is you're actually getting to see where those two different points of view collide by pointing out the crucial element. So the more that you can actually play up the most important part of your story, the more meaningful and more powerful your story will actually be. So when we look at a film like Moana, like we were just talking about, uh, it tells the story of a steadfast main character who holds out or stops others from doubting her own abilities. Okay, and so what that means is she's a steadfast stop character, so she's her main character crucial element will be the symptom of the overall story, and the influence character's crucial element, which will be Maui, he'll be the response. And in the story form, which we have published on the site, uh, the, the symptom of the overall story is avoidance, and the response is pursuit. Now, at first glance, that seems a little odd, because if anything, it seems like it should be reversed. It seems like Moana should be the one pursuing, and Maui should be the one avoiding, because Maui's always trying to run away from everything, and she's pursuing. So why does Dramatica call for her to be on avoidance and Maui to be uh, in pursuit? That just doesn't make sense. And then I look to Hacksaw Ridge, which was the Mel Gibson World War II drama that we did an analysis of um, about three weeks ago. And same thing, a steadfast stop main character, right? He's holding out for people to stop telling him how to live his life. And again, so that means he will share the same symptom uh, his crucial element will be in the same place as the overall story symptom, and the influence character's uh, crucial element will be the response. And in this story, the overall story symptom is control, and the overall story response is uncontrolled. And again, it seems like it's flipped, because if anything, you know, Hacksaw Ridge had collective influence characters, uh, Private Smitty, Howell, and Captain Glover, like, all those three put together, if anything, they're the ones that are always controlling. They represent control, right? And and he represents Private Dawes. Uh, he represents uncontrolled freedom, getting to do whatever he wants to do. So how come Dramatic is telling us to do the opposite? And that's when you have to realize and understand 
and this is the most important thing in this entire year, if you can understand, is the concept of the story mind. That Dramatica is in a, it sees story as an analogy to a single human mind trying to solve a problem. And that these character elements that you find in the build character window, they're not character traits that you apply as if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You're setting up your character at the beginning. You know, you're trying to roll 18 for strength, intelligence, dexterity, wisdom, charisma, constitution. I think I got constitution and charisma backwards. But anyways, those are the six, right? Uh, you're not taking the, the, those qualities and, and saying, okay, my character is a feeling character and a log- and a control character, and I'm going to make it switch like Wizard of Oz, like I read in the theory book. That's a very simple way of, of looking at story and character elements. I mean, it's fine for an initial understanding of it, but then when you try and use that to tell your story from a meaning perspective, a meaningful perspective, it's not going to play out because that's not what those elements mean. They're not character traits. They're traits of a single story mind. They're facets of the story mind as a whole. You know, so like the protagonist, antagonist, skeptic, sidekick, all those different archetypes that you read about in the theory book, those aren't, they're characters, but they're not like people. The protagonist isn't a person. The antagonist isn't a person. The protagonist represents our mind's motivation for initiative. That's what a protagonist is. And the antagonist is our mind's motivation for reticence, for holding back. And so they're not really actualized people. They're functions of a single mind trying to figure out how to solve this problem. They just so happen to come across in different characters. So instead of thinking as the in, thinking of these individual traits as describing characters, you have to think of these characters as representing individual traits of a single human mind. And then once you figure that out, then it makes sense why it would ask for Moana to be in a certain place and for Desmond to be in a certain place in Hacksaw Ridge. So as a steadfast main character, Moana is the one who's going to identify the element in the environment that needs to be moved, right? That's her job as the steadfast main character. So her pointing out avoidance in others is just the thing that the overall story needs. So it's not that she's avoiding, it's that she's pointing out, hey, avoidance needs to be removed. It needs to be, you need to stop running away from your problems sort of idea. Same thing with Private Doss. He's identifying control, you know, and, and saying, you know, the fact that you guys are so obsessed with control and regulation and, and, you know, telling people what to do, you need to move that out of the way if you're actually going to survive and actually win the war. So in a story with a steadfast main character, the most significant paradigm emotional shift occurs within the influence character. And that shift initiates with the main character's constant prodding of their main character crucial element. So Maui would never have reached a point of maintaining control over his massive ego if Moana had not constantly hit upon the demigod's predilection for running away. And in fact, this narrative aspect could have been made more meaningful had the authors of that film emphasized it and made a bigger deal out of Maui running away from the coconut pygmies and the coconut crab. So that's what I was talking about, like those two episodic moments if if he had been running away from those situations, and I mean he had been, but if it had been made more more of a thematic issue, it would have at least tied more into the overall narrative that was going on and would have helped make the story feel a little bit more cohesive during that second act. And then in Hacksaw Ridge, the collective influence characters of Smitty, Howell, and Glover would never have reached that point where they would actually delay and put off their attack, you know, to give him time to pray, had it not been for Desmond's constant example and living proof over how much control we truly have over our own lives. 
you know, they're just going by, you know, what they know, by conditioning. Like, well, whatever the captain says, whatever the general says, that's what I'm supposed to do. But here's this guy who's saying, no, you have control of your own life. You get to decide what you want to do with your life, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm going to show you the benefits of that. And you need to move control out of your life in order to allow the overall story solution to come into play. And the authors of Hacksaw Ridge, they just did that naturally. And they offered up that aspect of the story mind for the audience to consider. And then that's why it all works and flows together and makes a powerful narrative statement. Actually, it makes a powerful narrative argument. And then what I did uh, in the Western occult story from last week and from the beginning of our Nano Remo series is I actually wove in the crucial elements to my examples, but I didn't say anything about it. So if you look back uh, in that article, I said uh, to Jack, who is the influence character, it doesn't make sense to get on your knees and pray for something you don't even need. Be grateful and keep yourself from praying for an impossibility. Abby, our main character, sits on the other side of the argument. Why should they be happy with what they have when it feels so bad to have so little? The difference in this story, and that's why you should read the article if you can, the difference in this story is it's a steadfast start story. So it's not about the part that needs to be moved in the environment. It's the hole that needs to be filled. And here it's all about feeling. Like people aren't feeling enough. Either they have a a lack of feeling or their feelings are deficient and that needs to be embraced in order to allow that overall story solution to come into play. And it's even more interesting because this is a failure story. So even though her prodding feeling uh, overcomes Jack's, you know, uh, emphasis on logic, because that's his crucial element, even though she clears the way for that solution of, you know, getting control of your life, it's still not enough to overcome the story's problems, and it still ends up in failure. So the crucial element in a steadfast story still works the same whether it's success or failure. It's just a matter of clearing that emotional garbage in the environment, you know, which is seen through the subjective character of the influence character, clearing that out of the way to make the possibility of the overall story solution to come into play. Whether or not it does or not is, of course, up to the author. And so I'd just like to read to you the, the closing paragraphs of this week's article to give you an idea of how important I feel like this crucial element is and how understanding it will just elevate the quality of your storytelling. The title is Making Your Work Crucially Important. Audiences want to be inspired. They want to learn something new about their world that they can take with them on their own journey. Understanding where the objective and subjective points of view on your story crossover can go a long way towards ensuring that your efforts at the keypad or notepad will not go unnoticed. The crucial element of a story is crucial because it pinpoints an impossibility of life only possible within a narrative. An author communicates this meaningful reality by accurately assigning the correct element to the two major subjective characters of a story, the main character and the influence character. In the end, we write to be personally understood. We all have a unique and wonderful way of seeing the world, and we hope to wish that someone somewhere hears our heart's voice. Embrace the concept of the story mind by giving your audience a clear and accurate mind to inhabit, and audiences everywhere will ultimately embrace you. That's it for this final episode of the Narrative First Season for 2016. Hope you enjoyed this year's podcast. We did 30 of them. Hope you enjoyed this year's articles. Uh, We will continue to do analysis and blog posts throughout the holiday season. We thank you for being a loyal listener and a loyal subscriber. And we look forward to providing you with even more articles and podcasts on story structure and story analysis in the years to come. Have a great time writing and we will see you soon.